Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. All right, good morning, everyone. Why don't you take a moment, open to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. You know, as a church, we spend a whole lot of time studying in the epistles. And I'm not just talking about Christ Community Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. The epistles are letters that were written to certain peoples or certain churches that the apostles wrote and sent, kind of exhorting them and instructing them in the ways of the Lord. Well, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have epistles or letters that are from Jesus to the church, directly from Jesus to the church. You know, when I was young, junior high age, I remember sitting in those kind of small desks. I was a small kid. I'm still small. You know, the really tall guy and the really short guy. I'm the really short guy. Eric's a really tall guy. But I remember sitting in those desks and having my feet up on the uh, book tray in front, you know, and my, my feet kind of shaking, I'm kind of nervous, my hands are kind of sweaty, my palms are sweaty, there's beads of sweat on my forehead, and I'm just thinking, I cannot wait to get outside and to open this note. You guys remember getting notes that look like this, right? Now, true story, I did this this morning, YouTube is amazing, you can find out how to do anything on YouTube. I don't still remember how to fold these notes, but YouTube taught me how to do it so I could show you this this morning. But do you remember holding one of these notes from someone that you like, just not being able to wait till you get outside? And then do you remember the way you felt when the notes changed from like this to like this? <laughs> right? It's like if you were in this one, if this was the note you got, you were like exiled to the friend zone. But when if you got the heart, right, you knew you were in. And you couldn't wait to get out at recess because you knew if you opened it up in class that someone would make a fool out of you, namely the teacher, right? Mr. Nunn, would you like to share that with the class? I'm good. Thank you. So you wait, and it's just burning a hole in your pocket. You can't wait to see what that person wrote that you like or love so much. Well, that's what we have the opportunity to do this morning as we look at these letters. As we begin to study these letters that Jesus wrote in the book of Revelation, he told John, these are the letters I want you to send to these churches. Now, as we look at these churches, you have to bear in mind that there's an outline that we're following in the book of Revelation. John was told to write the things which you have seen, which we see in chapter 1. Write the things which are, which is what we see in chapters 2 and 3, and write the things which will take place hereafter, which is chapter 4 through uh, the end. And so right now we're in the things which are, namely the church age. In chapter 1 we see Jesus in his glorified state. He's risen, he's in the presence of the Father, and we see him in all of his glory. And it's the most detailed description of Jesus that we have in all of the scripture. And it came at a time when John was suffering in exile on the island of Patmos. But today, we're in the things which are, which is currently taking place, the church age. The dispensation of the church age. And so we're going to open this up. And as we do this, you have your outline there. Take out your outlines. Let me make sure you have those. Now, that outline has a lot of blanks on it, doesn't it? All right? So, so don't be intimidated. As we go through this, 
understand that there are certain ways that you can apply each of these letters to each of these churches. First off, there was a local physical church that these letters were being written to. John was sending these letters from Patmos in a circle, and there's a a beautiful picture of a map. You guys have that map? And so they would follow a certain order. Okay, and it would go from Patmos and it would be just the way they delivered mail. And it would go in order so that the churches would be there in order. So there's a physical, actual physical local church that these letters are being written to. Secondly, though, there's a historical application. And what we see is when these churches, as they're delivered in order, they represent an era, a certain period of church history. God's word is amazing. How God's word fulfills these certain eras of church history perfectly. Not only that, but the names of each of the churches applies directly to that era of church history. All right, so there's the local, there's the historical, but then there's also the personal. And we would be lacking, sorely lacking, if we read these letters and we didn't read these through the eyes of, Lord, what do I need to see or learn from this letter today? And so you can see that there are are things that each of these churches are going to struggle with that the church today struggles with, that you personally may struggle with. You're going to see in some of these commendations, some of these accolades that Jesus heaps upon these churches that maybe our church or your life personally is doing pretty well in some of these areas as well. But as we read these, you have to look through those three filters, the local, the historical, and the personal. And so we're going to begin in chapter 2, verse 1. If you'll read with me, we'll read each of these churches' letters, and then we'll come back and we'll look at these and go a little bit more in depth. So, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, remember the angel is the pastor. We learned that last week. It's the messenger. So, to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Write these things. I hold the seven stars, the seven pastors, the seven messengers in my hand, and I'm walking in the midst of the lampstands. Those lampstands stand for the church. They're a symbol of the church or a type of the church. And so that's what we're seeing here. Jesus holds the pastors in his hands, and he's walking in the midst of the church. All of these churches. Verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this I have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so this first letter that we're going to look at is the letter to the church of Ephesus. In your outline there, you're going to see, look at the definition of each of these names. The first definition for Ephesus, it literally means desirable. Desirable. And this was a word that the Greeks would use of a woman if she was desired by a man to be married. If he desired to take a woman as his wife, this is the word that they would use, Ephesus. 
Okay, so this word means desirable, and this is going to be very important in just a little while. And so as we look at this letter to the local church, this local church is going to break down into five distinct areas. First, you're going to see the definition, the definition, then you're going to see the revelation that Jesus gives of himself. So look at this. He says, these things, verse 1, these things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So the first thing we see there, the revelation, a partial revelation that Jesus gives of himself to the church of the Ephesians is that he's in the midst of the church. He's right there in the midst of what the church is experiencing. The things that are happening in the midst of that church. He cares enough to be present physically there amongst the church. He sent his Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away to heaven because if I go away, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there in the midst of the churches. Jesus is there. Jesus' Spirit is there in the midst of the churches. That's great power that that church is trying to be encouraged with. I am there in your midst, in the midst of everything that you're suffering, in the midst of everything that you're going through. Now, seven is important, and Pastor touched on this last week, because the word seven speaks of completion. What we're going to see in the midst of these seven letters is a perfect, complete picture of church history. He says, I'm holding the churches, or I'm holding these stars in my hand. The word literally means complete control and authority over. This is how I'm gripping the pastors and the churches. I have control. Jesus is in control this morning. Do you need to hear that? Maybe your life feels a little chaotic and a little out of sorts. He holds us in his hands. And the word literally means that his hand is large enough to hold you completely. That you are held completely within his palm. He's in control this morning. He's on the throne this morning. And he is in the midst of his church. Jesus is in the midst of his bride. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you're watching this morning even from the the live feed. Maybe you're watching this on the internet right now. Maybe you have a tendency to watch churches on TV and you don't want to be a part of fellowship here. Well, Jesus says, if you want to be with me, go to the church because I'm in the midst of the church. Pastor Walt says this all the time. He says, you cannot love Jesus and hate the bride. We're the bride, are we not? And if you want to be where Jesus is, you have to be where the bride, where the church is at. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, says where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst of them. I'm right there. When people gather in my name, I am there. I show up. I am present. I'm attentive. I'm listening. I am watching, and I care. Hebrews chapter 10 says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together like some do, as is the manner of some. And so much more as we see the day approaching, we should forsake gathering together as the body. Why? Because each and every single one of you have a gift that God has given you by his Holy Spirit that he gave to you so that you could pour that out into me. And I need you desperately. You're a part of the body. You're a part of the church. And if you forsake the gathering, you're not just ripping yourself off of the blessings. You're ripping us all off. We need one another. Jesus is in the midst of the churches. And I want to be where Jesus is. Do you? 
So this is the partial revelation. Now, as we look at these revelations that Jesus gives to each of these churches, notice how he's quoting the vision that John sees. Most of these descriptions, most of these partial revelations that Jesus is giving to these seven churches came from that description that God gave us through John in Revelation chapter 1. And so he's affirming what John has seen. John said the same thing, that Jesus is holding the lampstands, that he's in the midst of these lampstands. All right, so we see this revelation, but the second thing we're going to see in each of these letters is the commendation. Jesus is going to congratulate this church in Ephesus for something now. He's going to say, you know what? I see what you're doing. I'm taking notice of your deeds, of your works, of your actions, of your words. I notice, and I'm keeping track. So listen to what he says here. Verse 2. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. The word labor means to labor or work to the point of exhaustion. Have you ever worked so hard that you feel like you could just collapse from that work. Now, here's the thing in the spiritual realm. Now, that's one thing if you're laboring and it's hard labor or you're digging a trench or you're digging a hole or you're mowing the lawn and you feel exhausted afterwards. But in the midst of the church, friends, listen very carefully. If you are laboring to the point of feeling exhaustion like that, that isn't of the Lord. You know why? It's because you're trying to labor or minister in the flesh. And when you minister, you labor in the flesh, you're going to get exhausted and feel like you're going to collapse under the weight of that ministry. And I have to confess, I've been at the point of exhaustion in ministry many, many times. And every time I get to that point, I have to pause and I have to say, now why are you feeling this way? Have you forgotten that it's God's spirit that is going to move through you? And that the only source of strength that you will ever have, the only way ministry will ever be effective in and through your life is if you allow the Holy Spirit to move through you. It can't be me. I'm going to be just like this Ephesian church. I'm going to labor to the point of exhaustion, to the point of collapse, if I don't allow God to move through me. So he says, I see your work and I see your labor. I see that you're trying really hard and that you're exhausted. I see your patience. The word in the Greek means to Keep pressing on even in the midst of trial. It's to press through. It's to push forward. Paul wrote this to the Philippians in chapter 3. He says, it's not that I'm already perfected or that I've already attained, but I press on. I press forward. I'm going to keep moving forward because I believe that God has something for me. I believe God is going to give me what I need to continue ministering the way he's called me to minister. So he says there, I see your labor, I see your patience, and I see that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. So what is his commendation now to the Ephesian church? Well, it's that they they have many programs going on, that they have maintained doctrinal purity, and that they have persevered, that they have patience, and they keep moving forward. So those three things Jesus takes note of in the midst of this Ephesian church. He says, I see your programs. You're very, very, very busy. Your calendar is full of activities. You have something going on every night of the week. You have community groups going on. You have Bible studies happening. You have marriage classes going on. You have anger management classes going on. You have men's purity classes going on. You have Awana going on. You have a lot of stuff that fills up your calendar. And I see it. And I see your labors, and I commend you for it, 
but. And then he goes on, he says, I see not only that, but I see that you've tested those who say they're apostles and they're not. I see that you've been like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, who when they heard the gospel preached, they went home and they searched the scriptures to make sure that they weren't being lied to. They wanted to make sure that God's word actually says what those men are preaching. And you found out those who are liars and those who are telling the truth. You found those who are wolves in sheep's clothing. You've noted them and you've asked them to be removed. You've paid attention. I see your doctrinal purity and I see that even in the midst of all of your labors and all of your effort and everything that you're exerting in the midst of your exhaustion, you're still pressing on. But, he says, but, but, and we get to the correction now. It says, but you have lost your first love. You have lost your passion in the midst of it all. You got too distracted with your programs and with your classes and with your time set aside for this and for that, that you have lost the passion that you once had. You forgot the why of the what it is that you're doing. You have the what's in the house figured out. We're going to reach people through these outreaches and these classes and these Bible studies. But why? Why are you doing it all? What is the purpose behind it? There has to be a reason that makes you want to get up in the morning and to say, I'm ready to do this all over again. And you've forgotten what that is. You've lost that passion, that feeling that you once had. Actually, he says, you left your first love. You left it. You walked away from it. Something happened in this church which was once vibrant and beaming with life and vitality and passion and devotion for Jesus. It was devoid of all of that because they got distracted with the what's and the how's and they forgot why. Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, stop and remember why. And maybe he's speaking to you this morning. Stop and remember why. He says, unless you repent, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand, your light. You're supposed to be shining. That light is going to be taken away because you haven't been faithful in the devotion that I'm looking for. I, yes, I see your purity and I see your, your works, your programs, but I'm concerned with your passion. Am I your passion? Am I the reason why your heart is beating? And he says this very clearly. Look at this in verse 5. He says, first thing you need to do is you need to remember from where you've fallen. Just stop and remember from where you've fallen. There's a story in Luke chapter 15. You can read it later on of the prodigal son. How he goes to his father and he asks his father, I want all of my inheritance now so that I can go and I can live my life the way that I want to live my life, the way that I want to be. I don't want you lording over me any longer. I don't want you overseeing me. I don't want to be under your control. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life and I want it now. And he takes his money and he squanders it on partying and wild living. 
And he's in such a desperate state when he spent all that his father had worked so hard to bestow upon him. And he spent it all that he's miring in the mud with pigs, wishing that he could eat the scraps, the leftovers that were being fed to the pigs. That's how desperate he was. But in the midst of that valley, in the lowest of lows that he had ever been, the scripture says that when he came to himself, when he remembered that life didn't have to be that way, when he remembered that in the presence of his father, life was much sweeter, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say, Father, I'm repenting. I, I have sinned against you and before God and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a slave in your house. He remembered what it was like. My friends, do you remember what it was like when you first came to Christ? When you first realized everything that you had ever done had been forgiven because Jesus went to hang on a cross in your place. That's why communion is so important, isn't it? The scripture says that we're to partake of the cracker, the bread, and the cup, the wine, because we should do so in remembrance of God, remembering what he had done. To pause and to say, I'm partaking of this little bit of bread in this little cup because I'm remembering the sacrifice of the cross because that's what my sin caused. In Luke chapter 7, there's an amazing story of a woman who comes in with an alabaster flask of oil and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus and she's weeping and she's wiping his feet with her hair and she's broken over her sin and all of the religious people in the room are judging Jesus thinking, how could this guy allow this woman to touch him? Does he know what kind of woman that is? Jesus tells a story, a parable. It says there are two men. One owed his master 500 days wages. The other owed his master 50 days wages. When the master forgave them both because they couldn't pay it, who do you think loved the master more? And all of the religious people said, well, I suppose it was the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, exactly. Exactly. The one who was forgiven more loves more. And so he looks at the woman and he says, you see this woman? She has a lot of sin. She does. I'm not denying that. But because she knows she's been forgiven, because she's been forgiven much, she loves much. My friends, sometimes in the church, we stop loving Jesus, giving him the devotion that he deserves because we somehow think that God got the better end of the deal when he saved us. And we forget the place that we came from, that pit, that muddy pin filled with pigs where we had no hope and Jesus came and he died on a cross to set us free. We forget that that's who we were and we start thinking that we're this person that deserves it. We stop remembering how beautiful that forgiveness felt when we were washed clean. Jesus says, I want you to remember from where you've fallen. Remember what it was like. Remember who you were. Remember what I did. Because when you remember, your heart will follow. Your heart will follow. 
He says, remember from where you have fallen, verse 5, and repent and do the first works. The word repent means to turn and to go in the opposite direction. And today, the word repentance is like a dirty word. Jesus began preaching when he came to this earth by saying, repent because the kingdom is at hand. John the Baptist began preaching saying, repent because the kingdom is at hand. The message has not changed, but today, in today's culture, people are offended if they hear that they need to repent. The word means to turn away from the world and to turn to Christ. You cannot be saved unless you've repented. Turn from the old way and turn to Jesus. It's impossible. So if we want this world to change, if we want this world to be one with the love of Christ, we have to preach repentance Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.